So what was this dick that you were sitting on, Michelle? <laughs> Hello, Michelle. How are you? Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you as well, Mish. It's great to see your little face again. Although I wish you were here. It's coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. Brilliant. But how was you? How was your New Year? Did you get smashed? Well, it was unexpected because I want. I had a pre-New Year so that I wouldn't have to go out on New Year, and I was okay. dragged along. I'll say dragged, but actually, I. I really enjoyed it. I went to Laser Quest in the daytime with my son and a bunch of other people, (laughs) friends and children. I really enjoyed it. I didn't want to go because I thought I'd break a hip or have a fall, you know. But actually, I stayed upright at all times. You sound like you're 80 years old. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Luckily for me, I had about 13, 14-year-old boys. There's about 10, 14-year-old boys that just, they weren't with me, but they got lumped into my particular team. And I was very low in scoring on the death front in the beginning. The second right. round, I knew exactly what I was doing. I found my spot and I shot the shit out of those people that I knew were threats. I know exactly <laughs> how to protect myself now in a laser quest environment. So bring it on. Wow, that sounds great. Shoot them up. Shoot them up and kill them all. Shoot all them those up. little four-year-old children. No, they're not four. The youngest was six, <laughs> but we did. Yeah, you had to shoot them in the back, in the in the front, everywhere. You showed no mercy, I bet. Well, I was sick of always dying. <laughs> I turned around. There's a two-year-old. Not really. They were pretty young though. They kept ganging up on me, Michelle. Do you know what? That sounds like me skiing when I before I could sort of ski. I can sort of ski now, but when I when I couldn't ski at all. I was told by one of the local kids that they were using me as a kind of a a beacon to ski around. <laughs> like when you, <laughs> yeah, it was awful. So I was sort of like the the pot the the slow poke where they would do their their fast ski training around me. I right. was an obstacle on their obstacle course. You were like a traffic cone in the middle of the s- the snow. <laughs> Pretty much. And I knew I knew they were doing it too because they would be like, Pshoom! past me. And sometimes they would laugh. That is hilarious. So, but you know what? It doesn't happen anymore because I've, I've got my ski legs now. So oh, I'm all good. right. Well, on, on, uh, well, on the day before, yes. so what, 31st, I watched a film. Yeah. A film. Because I don't really watch films anymore. No. I watch TV series. I've heard there's know. a really one about Don't Look Up. I've heard that's the best thing to watch at the moment. Is that what you watched? That is exactly what I was yes. going to talk to you about. I watched about that. Don't Look Up. Everyone is talking about it. And look, if you have been under a rock and you don't know about this movie, it's with Leonardo DiCaprio, who is basically sexy scientist. Although I didn't think he was that sexy. I had a He's- feeling that a lot of... The ladies that have told me about watching it only came across it because they did, oh, Leonardo, oh, I'll, I'll pop that on. And they had no idea what to expect. Well, Meryl Streep's in it, Jennifer mm. Lawrence, Kate Blanchett, Melanie Linsky. She's, she right. keeps popping up every yeah. old way. Uh, look, it's um, it's pretty polarising film. People I've spoken to who have seen it are like, I fucking hate that film or I love it. There's not really much in between. So I'd be interested to know what you think about it. Yeah, we're going to watch it tonight, so I'll tell you. Oh, all right. Do you know what we watched instead, though? Because I said I wasn't in the mood for a long film last night. I said, you just watch what you want, love, to my husband. I've got some some other things to just potter around and do, and I'll just dip in and out. So he put, and I don't even know what it's called. You might know, but I doubt it. It's got Guy Pearce, ex-neighbours Guy Pearce, looking quite young. So I don't think it's, I think it's quite an old film. He was in the army or something in pioneering America. Eh? Robert Carlyle, big bear, big bear from Trainspotting. Yeah. He was the bad guy. Always. He's always a bad guy. I think David Arquette was in it as well. It was about cannibals. So because they were in pioneering America and they had some Native American people there, there was something about if you eat the flesh of a man, it becomes, you know, it drives you, it heals you, but then it makes you crazy. Honestly, this sounds like 100% not my kind of film already. No, it wasn't mine. keep going. Let me tell you, it wasn't mine. Although, talking about cannibalism, 
And I don't want to give the game away, but I am very much enjoying Yellow Jackets. Yeah, me too. But anyway, this stupid film I watched, it just ruined my night, really. We should have just watched Don't Look Up. You should have because, like I said, it's it's not for everyone, Don't Look Up. But for me, it's kind of a bit of a satirical end of the world film that, you know, it's a bit of a damning indictment on Trump and his administration and how he ran America. And, you know, it pokes fun at Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos. For me... And look, I don't want to say too much because obviously you're going to watch it. But there is a line towards the end of the film where, and it's just an extra, just some extra who's not, who's a random, like, extra in the film says, oh my God, we've been lied to. Mm -hmm. And all I could think of was Brexit and how everyone felt after they realised we'd all been lied to about the NHS, about basically everything that Brexit would bring to the country. And I just think there are so many political parallels about how our, how we're treated by our governments, how social media basically rules the fucking world. There's just so many echoes, like political, social media, you know, greed comes first. It's, yeah, I'm, I'm keen to hear what you think about it. Who, who made the film? Who's the director, the writer? His name's Adam McKay and I do know what he did and I have seen it but I can't remember. I do think it's an important message even if you don't like, there's no subtlety in this film. It just slams you over the head with, with the messages but I do think there are important messages for everyone to think about because it it's a horrible view of our society but so fucking eerily prescient I think and also a little bit black mirror in it's not so far from the truth so there you go don't look up so I'll watch the shit out of that tonight Michelle and let you know watch the shit out of that but also I wanted to just say thanks again to last week um, our guest Tamira Oh, we've had so many nice comments, haven't we? Do you know what? My favourite one, it was actually one of Tamira's clients who was not an eavesdropper before. Maybe she will be now. And she had written Tamira a message saying, loved hearing your voice, loved those girls. It was so refreshing that they weren't woke. Oh, I didn't see that. Just cracked me up. So this is a positive thing now that we're not woke. It's a positive (laughs) that we're not woke. And I was talking to a friend of mine and I was laughing saying, oh, yeah, we're refreshing because we're not woke. And she's like, what does that mean? What does woke mean? So basically for anyone who doesn't know what woke means, it's just another word for social awareness and political correctness. And look, I'm not saying that we're not woke. We are politically correct to, to a certain degree, I imagine. I think we are. It's just that we are not obsessed by the idea of being woke. And also, like comedians always say, everything is up for grabs. Yes. You, know, you, you can't be a stick in the mud about every single issue because that's actually what gets a discussion and a debate going. So there you go. I love not being woke. Yes, let's have a debate. <laughs> Even though let's I not am. hurt each other, people. Come on, put those sticks and stones down. <laughs> I have a shart art. <gasps> to whom? It's Tina in Valencia. Tina. Tina. Hello. Tina. Happy, happy day, Tina. She's in Valencia. Now, when she said that to me, I thought, oh, Valencia. I, I can smell oranges just thinking about it. But I actually went there in 2017 for my honeymoon. Now, bear in mind that that honeymoon not only had my children there, also my parents, and I chose a very bad Airbnb And we went to what's commonly known as the frying pan of Europe in August. So it was the wrong time. It was the wrong time to go there. 49 degrees, Michelle. 49. Oh, my God. I'm Australian. I should. I mean, we never experienced that growing up. Oh, I have in Melbourne. Uh, A few years ago, I remember being on the the big dick. What's the big dick? That's the uh, New Zealand way for saying big deck. I was on my big dick. Oh, Jesus. It's a deck. It's the back deck. What, what? Whose dick is this? Big dick. It's a dick. Yes, but where? Is it like, is, I'm just thinking because the way you said it, yes, you said it was a dick because your friends are from New Zealand. I get that. But the way you said it, it sounded like you, had vi- you were visiting, like people know Australia has big things like the big banana, the big prawn in Ballina, <laughs> the, big <dick. laughs> the big merino in Goulburn. 
the big pineapple is more famous than all of those things but yes the big banana is the most famous oh is it and that's where's that coffs harbour coffs harbour yeah there's a big avocado around there as well is there i've been inside the big prawn oh Oh my god! And the big merino, big merino. That's Goulburn, right? That's Goulburn merino, and it's all in Australia for our international guests. Australians love big things, but Americans do too. Who cares that we don't have any architecture older than two (laughs) hundred years? We have a big dick. Do we have a big dick? I don't think we do. So what was this dick that you were sitting on, Michelle? <laughs> it was a big dick. And uh, <laughs> and you were sitting on it. My friend's place in Melbourne. And honestly, because I'd come from UK winter, which was fucking torturous, straight into the heat of a, an Australian summer, it was maybe not 49 it was maybe 46 47 so a couple of degrees off I was out there loving it soaking up the rays and my friends were inside huddled around the air conditioner saying what are you doing out there and mad dogs and Englishmen is what they say that's what my husband did when he went to Australia I know every they all end up what is it roast beef as the French would say roast beef Mm. I wasn't keen I had a shower to cool off I stepped out of the shower I didn't even need to reach for a towel I was dry Oh, oh, well, that's good that it's dry heat. It's the humid heat, like in Darwin, which is awful. Is it a wet heat, Michelle? It's humidity. Humdidity, my husband calls it. Humidity. Humdidity. Humdidity. Well, you're wet all day. You're wet all day. And in fact, if you have any kind of wound and you're there in the wet season, you have to get out because it never dries out and never heals. And there's so many cases of gangrene in Darwin. So there you go, people. That's your education. So now you know, Australia, Australia has a lot of big things, but no big dick. I'm sure some people would like to clarify that. And if you've got a wound, don't go to the wet part of Australia because then you're just, it will never, it will never heal. We are full of tips. I loved our tip from last week, which is always put the toilet seat down and the lid. I do that anyway, except when I don't. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. You don't. (laughs) So that was, yeah, tip from the top. Doris. Cloris. Maureen. Doreen. Leslie. Wesley. Tracy. Should we talk about what we're talking about today, Michelle? Because I listened to a podcast over the festive season. Oh, did you now? How festive was it? Not festive at all, Michelle. Great. That's what I love. (laughs) It was my little rest from the the festive. It was called Sweet Bobby. And I'm sure your sister's heard about it because lots of people, a bit like Don't Look Up, it's the thing. It's the podcast of the moment. Okay. It's in the zeitgeist, as I say. It's from uh, Tortoise Media. And there's a guy called... Senior moment. Alexei Mostov. Alexei okay. Mostov, I think is his name. He's the, he's the investigative journalist. He used to work for the Times, I heard somewhere. The Tortoise Media, maybe Tortoise Media is run by some, a former Times columnist or something, or editor or something. I'm, I'm getting it all wrong, but Michelle will put it in the notes if you want the actual facts later. But this podcast, Sweet Bobby, it's about a lady who was in a 10-year online relationship and of course, at the end, no spoilers, she found out he, the, her partner wasn't who she thought he was all along. Of course not. She was tricked or, as they say, catfished. So what, shoot 10 years without meeting her yeah. partner? Yeah. I'm sorry, but you have to be pretty fucking thick. 10 years to let that go. I mean, well, come on. Because I told you in a previous episode, I got catfished. I've been catfished. I've talked you about told this. Us that. Yes. Remind me again what happened? Hot dude, hot young guy when I was on Plenty of Fish or one of those dating... Is that the Christian one? No! Why is it called Plenty of Fish? Because, you you know, you're like, oh... Oh, there's plenty more fish in the sea. Plenty more fish in the sea. That's where it's from. Yes, of course. You know, you throw them back. Throw them back in when they're a dud. It's like swipe them one way and swipe them the other way. Yeah, but it was was more sort of innocent, I felt. And I was on OkCupid and whatever, you know. I was on the the app. advertising for them now? (laughs) There was a hot young dude who was like messaging me from America. And I was just sort of doing it just for a bit of fun because, you know. 
I was You'd chosen bored. your wedding dress, hadn't you? No. Oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> it was um it was just a bit of fun, but he started sort of getting a little too, you know, asking for nudes and whatever. And it's Ooh. like, oh, come on, dude. And you didn't send him across a shot, did you? Absolutely not. I'm glad. Absolutely not. Although, I mean, it's the thing. Everybody does it. No one cares You anymore. mustn't. That's no. another tip from us at eavesdropping. Don't send him pictures of your hairy nipples. <laughs> Don't send him pictures of, I mean, what could you send? Your bum crack. Or whatever it is that you send to these boys. Just don't do it. I, I, I digress just for a moment. A friend of mine, she was telling me about her cousin who is on OnlyFans. We've talked about OnlyFans before. Uh, it's, right, it's, yeah. a, it's, you know, where you go to basically sell porn or well, see, you, you're a sex worker online. I'm so confused because I always thought OnlyFans is where you go to get people like Carl from Neighbours to say happy birthday. Well, we talked about that with Hannah Huggers We did talk too. about this. We but did, no, but it, it wasn't. That's a sideline. That's a sideline. Their main bread and butter is porn. Right. And it turns out her niece has a very successful OnlyFans page with her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. They are doing – they've got their solo – OnlyFans site. They've got one together where they do things. Ew, like sex. Uh, yeah, yeah, oh. absolutely. That's Live sex. She's fucking rolling in it, but she's making so much moolah, and so is the boyfriend because he's yeah. his is more like gay sex on his OnlyFans page. She's got all her like regulars, and then they've got their ones where they're like doing it together. And oh, God, the thing is, you know, she's she's not even twenty. And I just oh think <laughs> these things these things have a shelf life. You know, they're not well, just I, for I guess now. Like modeling, they're just getting into it. And they're just doing it while they can, I suppose, before the old boobs go saggy and the willy gets droopy or whatever happens. I'm not. I'm not thinking that. I'm just thinking more about okay. So when you maybe think, oh, I don't want to do sex work anymore, yeah. you know, it does. Does this come back to haunt you? Mm. Yeah, because it's all out there, isn't it? It is all out there. And you don't know who is... Who's taking screenshots. All of that stuff. But anyway, I digress. When I got catfished, back to my catfishing. Back to you, Michelle. No, no, no. I mean, look, he was young. He was hot. He wanted nudes. I said no. I did what everyone should do, which is a reverse Google image search. Found that he just nicked these pictures, called him out on it. He was like, oh, yeah, Mm. sorry, I'm not that person. Turns out he was just some dude behind a computer in the middle of nowhere in America. And I was like, like, you know, own it, mate. Own who you are and stop, like, Mm. pretending because what kind of life is this? And since then, I've been, you know, I've always enjoyed watching Catfish, which is Mm. that great American series. And, in fact, I've got a story for you. But I want to hear all about Sweet Bobby. Well, it's a little bit what you've just said about the poor man that's sitting behind his desktop in America creating this fabulously rich fantasy life for himself mm. where he gets to ask lovely ladies like yourself, Michelle, to send across shots of your nip-nops. Or money. Money, or money. money. He this wants is... money as well. Don't give them money. Ugh. Or you give them nudes and then they ask for money. Anyway, Ugh. for this bod- podcast, okay, let me, let me give you the lowdown about this sweet Bobby, okay? And anybody who hasn't heard it, there will be spoilers, so well, apologies. I've not heard it. All right, all right. Well, you're going to be, it's gonna, I'm going to ruin it for you right now. Here we go. <laughs> it's about a lady called Kirat Asi. Now, she is a prominent member of her local London Punjabi or Sikh community. She is now 42, but this was obviously back when she was in her 30s, this thing that happened to her. And she was a presenter, and I think she's recently started again, for a Hounslow-based Desi radio station, which is the kind of the music of that community. And she was an events organiser. She was quite the go-getter, very attractive woman. Southwest London is where Hounslow is, not far from where I am currently recording from. (laughs) So she found herself in a in, somehow in a 10-year relationship online only with a cardiologist called Bobby, who she met through unusual circumstances in September 2009, which is when she was, like I said before, 30. Right. So what happened was, Michelle, she received a Facebook message randomly from her female cousin, who's called Simran. Her ex-boyfriend, JJ, contacted Kirat, who is our main protagonist in the story, right? Now, her cousin Simran was only 17, so JJ was young. But they had broken up. 
JJ and the cousin Simran. Okay. So JJ reached out to Kirat to ask her, um, hi, we've only met a couple of times, you know, that kind of thing. But can you tell me, we've broken up. I've broken up with Simran and I'm really upset. Tell me how can I get her back? I, I'm really into her, you know, that kind of thing. So because... Kirat was older and very sweet. She thought, well, normally she wouldn't respond to that kind of message, but she did. And because they had met previously, albeit briefly, she did befriend JJ and they they struck up a little friendship. It was just a little toing and froing online, you know, like here and there. Mm. She gave him a bit of advice or whatever. She said she didn't make a habit of doing this kind of thing, but there was mutual friends involved, so she thought it would be fine. Then one day she heard the tragic news that JJ had died from an allergic reaction. What? Oh, my God. Awful. Devastating. So not long after that, somehow or another, JJ has a brother called Bobby, and he got in touch because he knew that they were friends. And he said to her, look, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being there for my brother or whatever. You know, somehow or another, they got in touch on social media. Bobby was more Kirat's age. And they kind of struck up a little bit of a friendship, just like she had done with JJ previously. Because again, when she looked at his profile, she noticed that there were quite a few familiar faces in there, people that she knew, her cousin again, Simran. So ultimately, they would spend hours on the phone chatting and texting. Mm. Now, Bobby was married and had a young child. But at the time, he told her his marriage was in trouble. He also had a lot of illnesses. So whenever she spoke to him on the phone, his voice was quite squeaky or weird. Um, But that's because he'd had laryngitis. (laughs) I know. (laughs) So mostly he just texted. Hello. It's great to hear Um, from you. Now, you'll feel mean now, Michelle, because this poor man had had numerous strokes and heart attacks. Oh, he's a catch. He's a catch. Yes, but I mean, Kirat's a nice person. She's not going to just ditch this poor man who wants her friendship because he's constantly having strokes. So, <laughs> I think anyway, he wanted some strokes. That's what I'm thinking here anyway. He wanted a stroke. That's right. So at one point, a really weird thing happened. She went on a hen night. This is before they got into a relationship. They were just chatting and whatnot. And they couldn't meet because he was always elsewhere. I think he might have been living in another country or something. I can't remember all the details, so apologies for that. So anyway, she went to a hen weekend in Brighton with a bunch of ladies. And at some point during the night, she saw this really tall, handsome Sikh guy with his, you know, because he was wearing a turban, standing out. She was like, oh my God, that's Bobby. (gasps) And he was with a male friend. So she had a couple of drinks. She wandered over to him. She introduced herself. She said, hi, Bobby, it's me, Kirat. And he was like, hi. (laughs) He didn't really seem to know who she was. She got the feeling that maybe he was feeling a bit embarrassed because he he had his friend there. Right. Okay. And he was in a relationship or married, right? No, no. It was at this point, I think it had broken up. Right. I think. Okay. So she just assumed maybe he wanted to keep the relationship secret, their friendship secret. So anyway. Then later on, now we've moved on a few years, it's 2013, she had a message saying that Bobby had been shot and was in a coma while visiting Pakistan. I think that's where he was. Forgive me again if I got all the info wrong. And he'd suffered a memory loss. But then by 2014 in January, this is all you know, messages that she's receiving on her through her mutual friends on Facebook and ex-wife was contacting her and all sorts because she knew they were friends. Uh, she learned that Bobby sadly had died. So three weeks later, Michelle's not even reacting to I'm this. I'm like, like, what? Where is this going? Like, what? He's dead. Where is this going? We feel like we're having some kind of, I don't know, soap opera moment. It's nuts, right? Three weeks later, of course, we wouldn't have a story if he didn't suddenly come back alive. So his ex-wife got in contact with Kirat and said, guess what? He's he's actually alive. He's he's okay. He's obviously still got his, his health issues, but he's in witness protection in New York. We can say no more. This is all just sounding ridiculous. There are so many people involved in this scam. <laughs> to be Well, to be fair to poor Kirat, because of the amount of people and because this has been going on incrementally, I'm telling you all this stuff at once. Yeah. This happened to her over a period of years. Yeah. So this was all backed up by other people. She had no, no need or no reason to question it. Plus, she was getting messages from the health professionals who were caring for Bobby. She'd spoken to doctors and nurses. 
Or had she? <laughs> well, exactly. Obviously, there's a trick coming. There's a oh, twist. Oh, gosh. So there was the cousin Simran. There was the ex-wife. There was a list of other people she knew through Bobby. And they all had connections to it's to her, her circle of friends. Five years into their friendship, Bobby, who had always referred to her as a big kind of sister figure, he eventually confessed he was in love with Kirat and he wanted to be in a relationship. He really went for it with this. He, he was hounding oh, her. Gosh. He was becoming suicidal and depressed. He had so many illnesses. At that time, she was being told by health professionals and the ex-wife that the best thing for him would be if she were to go along with it because it would be, you know, it's kind of like a dying wish. And if he could just be in a relationship with her, then, you know, that might make him happy in his final days. Oh, for fuck's sake. So they began a relationship, but he didn't die. So they're still <laughs> together. And then suddenly, I think they're, they're toing and froing, becoming more intimate. There's a Facebook group with about 39 people on it. They're all chit-chatting. They're all friends of Bobby's. It's kind of a way of getting Kirat to get to know all his family and friends. Simran's on there. So that's her cousin. She knows her in real life. So how could it not be not be right, you know? They used to phone each other you know from him in New York her in London and they'd phone they'd have sex on the phone and Skype each other and just listen to each other's breathing until they fell asleep and you can hear lots of loving voice notes in this podcast of her from from Kirat to Bobby nothing from Bobby except for all the pings and the texts and the messages and stuff coming through right and they began they began to get more frequent and controlling he began to become coercively controlling over her from afar and they still hadn't met. I was going to say to you, what is Bobby's motivation here? Is it money? What? What's his angle? What's the angle here? Mm, what is the angle? I don't know. I'm, wa- I'm, I'm waiting. Well, you'll have to listen to find out. And I hope you'll get your answers, Michelle. Let's see. <laughs> so anyway, they had never met, but they had things like Pinterest boards that they shared together. They were planning trips abroad together to meet. They were definitely, it was definitely on the cards. She was definitely being given a light at the end of the tunnel Mm. in this long-term relationship that she was now in and now really in love with him. They bought clothes together for his son. Like they, he'd say, come on, I need to buy a present for my son. I'd like to buy him some clothes. What can we, let's have a look on mother care together or whatever online. Mm. And they chose them. And then she'd see pictures of it, of the little boy on his Facebook page wearing the clothes. So there's no need for her to actually ever think that this isn't real. Granted, it was unusual. Yes, there was some weird things. I mean, he'd had a heart attack whilst on the phone to her one day. (laughs) And, And every time she doubted him, he would have another health crisis. Of course, real her in, just reeling her in. Absolutely. In 2015, he suffered a brain tumour followed by yet another stroke and he began... This guy, I'm sorry, it's just like... He's he's the we secret. We mustn't laugh at other people's misfortunes. No, by but the it's way. not. It's a fake. He's he's not having he's not any real. strokes. He's not in a coma. He didn't get shot. He, did, you know, right. it's all such a. Oh my god! But hang anyway. on, Michelle. He is real because she met him. But did she? Brighton. He didn't. He didn't give her the time of day. He didn't know who she was. He was polite. Anyway. From afar, she she once complained of chest pains. He told her she needed to get a mammogram, right? He forced her into getting a mammogram. When she got back to him to say that it was a male consultant, he went nuts. So he's doing all these really awful things. She's starting to get depressed, suicidal even. She didn't know whether she was up or down. This Ooh. is all through her 30s, you know. Uh, she became depressed. She left her job. He never wanted her to go back and get another job. She was frightened of his temper. And whenever she pushed him for answers or when it, whenever she was saying, come on, when can we meet? He predictably would have another heart attack or threaten suicide or whatever. At what point does she just think to herself, I'm fucking done with this. Delete his number. Block, block. Yeah. She's invested. She's invested. Yeah. And she has, no, like I said, no reason to, to doubt him. She, when she does doubt him, something goes wrong. She'll get a, a message from one of his family or friends or a phone call and say, come on, he really loves you. He really loves you. Come stick with it. Don't be mean or whatever. Now, one question for you. Throughout this period, has she been sending him money? I don't know. No, I don't think there was any money, but she did lose money through loss of earnings. Oh, okay. All but right. 
Let hmm. me continue and yeah. I'll give you some answers. They're coming, I'm people. Lo- I'm, my, my mind's ticking over. Like, what, what yeah. is going on here? That's what happened when I was listening to the podcast. So in 2018, Bobby was finally well enough to come to London from New York and they agreed to meet. Finally, 2018. They've only known each other since 2009. Right. But things kept being delayed and he'd make excuses, not turn up, all of the same old stuff, right? Is he but- still Bobby or is he in witness protection still? Well, he's Bobby and he's in witness protection. But somehow he's managing to get himself over to London. London. And he did drop in somewhere the name of the hotel where he was staying in London. So she went there, but he wasn't there. Of course not. So she's starting to get a little bit confused. Only now? Only 11 years in? Desperate. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) She, she, She consulted a private investigator and got him on the job who then came back to her with a, an address for Bobby in Brighton. So she got in her car this on this day in 2018 and she drove there. She didn't tell anyone about it. Oh. So no one knew she was going. Yep. She knocked on the door. He took, he took a long time to answer. She'd already t- turned and walked away. Then he, when he came to the door, she turned around. She's like, uh, Bobby, hello, it's me. He was a bit confused. And, she, and he said, I, I don't know who you are. And she's like, you're... Your brother JJ, come on, this is how we know each other. We're in a, you know, all of this stuff. And he said, oh, well, you must have me confused with my brother. A lot of people would get Bobby and JJ mixed up. Oh. She was absolutely stunned. She's like, no, I know it's not JJ. I know it's you. And her mind's But But wasn't JJ dead? JJ's dead as far as she knows. So anyway, there's this man standing in front of her that she's known for 10 years, been in a relationship with for five in an exclusive and intimate relationship as far as she was concerned. And he's behaving like she's he's never seen her before. So she's her mind's racing. She's thinking, what the fuck is going on? One question. Was it the tall guy that she had previously seen yeah, in the hotel? it was that guy. Yeah, it's Bobby. I That's knew it. He's, I knew he it. He is Bobby. Yeah. Right. In, in the bar in, in Brighton. Yes, yeah? yes. Yeah. Well, she got her phone out. She pulled up some pictures. And he's like, well, yeah, that's me. That is me. <gasps> and she... She was really, they're both really confused at this point. It, they, neither of them realized that somebody had taken those photos and created an entire fiction for Kirat only. (sighs) Then the ex-wife comes to the door holding their son, but only it's not his ex-wife. It's his current wife who he's still in a relationship with. So oh my God. Kirat now, she loses her shit properly. She gets hysterical. Bobby thinks, oh my God, who is this woman? I'm calling the police. <gasps> so she's confused and bewildered. So she calls her cousin Simran and she puts her on loudspeaker and he can hear the conversation. And he's like, oh, is that Simran? And she goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, how are you? You're right. So they know each other, right? Yeah. So they had a little chat and then Simran then said, let me just speak to Kirat quickly. And she said, listen, Kirat, don't worry, it's fine. He still loves you, but <gasps> you need to leave right now. Get in the car. I'll tell you everything. Get in the car, go home. No. So <gasps> the cousin they, the is me- in on it. The two no. met up and they went for a drive, Simran and Kirat, right? Kirat was really worried for Simran because she thought, my God, poor Simran has now been fooled by this guy as well. It's something is desperately not right. So Simran, who was, you know, she's holding her hand. She's looking after her cousin. She said, listen, I'll come and work from home on Monday with you if you want. I'll come around. I'll spend the day with you. You need someone because this all happened over the weekend, right? So on the next Monday, Simran um, turns up in the car with her brother. Her brother drops her off and she's outside. Kirat had a look out the window. She could see them kind of arguing and she thought, oh, what's going on there? So then Simran walked in and she said, I've got something to tell you. She said, it was me. I'm Bobby. <gasps> no. Kirat thought, what? What are you saying? And she didn't really get it. Like it just wasn't, like it wasn't computing. No, of course not. Kirat. She can't process it. But when it, it did dawn, she was like, who, who have I been sleeping with for all these years? And she said, well, it's, it's me. Oh, So she just, God. she fell on the floor. She collapsed. <gasps> Then she puked. She absolutely lost it. Oh, my God. But Simran was completely deadpan when she said to her, well, I was in a dark place and I've ruined my life too. Oh, no remorse. And that was her, no remorse, (gasps) no remorse at all. So in the following days, Kirat went to the police, but not only did they say that they couldn't help her, but they questioned her sanity because obviously she's high as a kite at this point. She's completely just realised that her entire existence... For the last 11 years has been a well, lie. More, more the last five because she's been in a relationship yeah. with this 
this man like properly intimate for the last five. Then they did come back to her and say, listen, the crime really is against Bobby, who's real. His identity has been stolen. So take it to Brighton. Don't don't bring it to us here in Hounslow. <sighs> so she referred it to Brighton Police from Hounslow, but the and the case was eventually reopened. But they couldn't really find anything to hang on Simran. Simran walked free. Nothing happened to her. No, she didn't even lose her job. She was sixteen at the time, sixteen seventeen at the time when this was all happening. By the way, oh obviously my God. she's in her twenties at the point where yeah. it all comes undone. But um, eventually, and this is all where they do explore this much deeper in Sweet Bobby the podcast. I think Kirat brought a civil action case against Simran and when they leaned on her, uh, she eventually sent her an apology letter. But I mean, the families even didn't really back Kirat at all. They were kind of like, oh, she's only young. Yeah, leave her. She's a bright star in that family. They need to kind of don't shame the family. Yeah. Oh, my God. Eventually, she did get an apology letter, but she wasn't allowed to show anybody. And it's not enough. It's not enough. An apology letter? What a fucking joke. No, exactly. And... Poor old Kirat has just lost all that time to meet someone, to have a family. She's now, she's luckily, she is starting back at her old job, mm. but she's been without any kind of support in all that time. And now she's left being, feeling like her entire life has just been ripped out from under her. Honestly, when you, when you talk about it in this way, you do think, how stupid can you be? But, you know, people, people are so desperate for love and to believe that they will they will excuse anything and i feel and really and they're people trusting, are trusting as they well. are yeah and i feel but for simran sad. yeah for simran i feel sad as well but i also I don't. feel angry but the thing is this woman she's done it before they found out that she had done it before she was a big one she's not on social media at the moment but she was a big one for creating false profiles yeah okay so what's going on with her mental health what's going on with her background that she feels that she needs to pretend to be someone that she's not she's got she was in working in high up in a bank earning shit loads of money doing great she could have had the life that she was pretending to have yeah but you don't really know what's going on do you with people some form of narcissism i just don't know oh my god it's pretty wild that is wild and you know i listened to a podcast it was actually just a catfish podcast where very similarly there was a woman who was in an online relationship uh, with another woman who said she was uh, her name was Courtney she was uh, in the navy and she had a kid but you know she wanted to have another one and they decided never met obviously they decided they were going to have a baby together and Neither of them had the time to have a baby, so they started sending Courtney money for the surrogate because they were going to have a surrogate, have the baby. All of a sudden, the baby's there, and she's like, oh, yeah, I went ahead with the surrogate and just had the baby. So she's like, wow, I'm a mum now. And then she thought something's not adding up here because she wasn't allowed to meet the baby. She hadn't even met her partner. No, nothing. But she felt like a mum and she'd been giving loads of money. And then she got Neve and Max from Catfish involved. And they tracked down Courtney. Turns out it was actually Courtney's sister, Brittany, who had stolen the sister's identity. And Um. all the pictures were real, but they were all of her sister. So she was just this girl who had no confidence in herself, obviously felt like she'd got the short end of the stick or whatever it is, <laughs> the thin mm-hmm. edge of the wedge with the with the looks and the brains and whatever in the family, was in awe of her sister, stole her sister's identity, stole her ID to pick up all the money that was being transferred wow. by wire. And, you know, it was just really sad. And in the end, she was like, oh, I'm sorry, but, you know, I love you. We could still have a future together. And this other girl's like, are you kidding no. me? Like, we're yeah. done. It's so sad. It's, it's so really sad, sad, isn't it? Really sad. I mean, what what goes on in their minds, the people who are perpetrating these crimes? Because they are crimes. They are crimes. Although, no, actually, they're not crimes. They should be. But currently in this country, they're not. 
I think you can probably get in there somehow with, like I said before, the Hounslow police suggested that it was identity theft, that that wouldn't have gotten justice for Kirat. But for Kirat, she was in a coercive, controlling relationship. But I did look up the laws about that and you need to have evidence. And there was no, I mean... Actually, maybe there's evidence on her phone with the messages. Well, I think the messages, messages, yeah, surely the messages are enough. But, yeah, I mean, there is a lot of layers to that story. But, fuck. I mean, 11 years to never have met someone. Yeah, it's a long time. It's ridiculous. But as we all know, Michelle, time does fly. Time does fly. But, come on, I I think it was after, you know, a couple of days where I was like, this dude, my catfish dude, he's he's not real. You know, you, you kind of just... He's bubbles from Trailer Park. Yeah. <laughs> Baywit, it's a Baywit. No shirt and thong. What a ding-dong. Baywit, it's a Baywit. Big gut hanging out. Giddy, giddy, giddy gas. I don't even know yes what the what the fuck like I said I I love catfish the tv show and look and I do feel kind of guilty for voyeuristically you know getting into the show because other people's misery yeah it's fundamentally it's it's really sad you know and I've, I've watched one episode Michelle and I have to say it's it pulls at your heartstrings because you feel sorry for the person being catfished you know they're being lied to they're being duped and yeah. it's very very sad and very unfair but then you meet the poor sod who's actually perpetrating these these acts and that's where you feel sorry that's where you think, oh, mate, yeah. you poor bugger. Yes and no. I mean, it's it depends on the situation and how how manipulative and how controlling and being they've caught been. out on TV. I know. Well. How embarrassing. I mean, I'm always shocked when they agree to meet. You know, it's like, yeah. why wouldn't you just hang up the phone and go, fuck off, mate? I'm going to be on TV, mama. <laughs> <laughs> Not for a good thing, but still, my face will be on the television. My five minutes. Yeah, look, I mean, I guess I do feel bad for both sides because, you know, the person who's looking for love, and it's always love, they really want to believe that the person they're talking to online is is real and they put hope and faith and trust into that person you see this time and time again on the show every time they try and take the conversations a step further into real life the efforts are always derailed by excuses generally like a health issue or um, many many strokes many many strokes I got shot whatever or they're in a job like the navy or the army where they have to go on tours or whatever or they have difficulties with their equipment oh my phone's broken oh yeah the cam the the camera on it doesn't work so i'm sorry nobody has a fucking not this day and age no no so you know it's just all rubbish or even worse they make you know they make arrangements to meet and then just never show up and so that person Mm. has all that hope and and excitement and then you know it's all dashed I mean look you know I've been stood up when I was on on dates before it's horrible you, you yeah there was what you're just sitting there waiting and they don't turn up yeah and I've done it to people as well have you where, Michelle yeah where you look at them and you're like I'm not going no I'm not going on the date and you just turn around but why did you agree to go in the first place that's not nice because you because th- you think you're going on a date with someone and then you see them and you're like that's fucking them but the photos were 10 years ago oh I see so you see them walking into the bar and you just turn tail and yeah I've done that I'm not what about if you have to walk past them to get out no I've done it and been able to like often I've been the one to walk in and then scan the room no I'm, I'm done I'm out <laughs> And so it's not nice. But then on the other on the other side of that, oh they must have done God. that to me. Who are you? No, but when I've been stood up. I mean, but gosh, I, you know, when I was on, on one of these sites, I remember there was a guy who I was meant to go on a date with. And he actually blew me off before we were actually meant to meet up, which in hindsight okay. was a great thing because he was polyamorous. And was looking for, you know, several ladies. So anyway, I was friends with this um, woman very high up in the music industry in America. And she came to London and we met up and had a coffee. And she said, oh, to be honest, I'm here to meet a guy. And I was like, oh, tell me all about it. And she showed me a picture and I'm like, are you fucking joking? 
that dude was meant to go on a date with me, cancelled, and actually he's polyamorous. Do you know this? And she's like, well, yeah, I do, but I'm I'm cool with it. You know, I'm getting counselling about how to date a polyamorous guy. She ended up marrying what? him. What? Being one of his wives. Oh, yes. I mean, what? the shit that goes online, happens online with online dating, it's mental. And people that you actually know in real life. So... It's just, it's a whole minefield out there. But anyway, talking of like faking like profiles and whatever. Yeah. You can now even manipulate video chats because there are all those like deep fake AI powered video kind of apps that you can use where you can change your face, change your voice. And there's something called Minicam, which is like a virtual webcam where it plays the fake video source that you've pointed the app to 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 kind of be the the face so you can either put your own voice on or you can do a fake voice but you know all of that is it can be faked as well so even if you think you're video calling someone could be massive deep fake so it's getting harder and harder to be savvy about if someone's legit and you can get a catfish now with video calls which is a minefield out there you know so I feel like what happened to old good old-fashioned speed dating where you can all just not even speed dating (laughs) Geordie sit in a line and then no maybe a dance well what I was going to say is you go to a party you go to a bar, you go to the disco yes. and you get yeah. fucking smashed. You snog someone, you uh, go home with them, you realise you had beer goggles on. But then if they're a nice person, you might give them the num- your number. So old yeah. school, old school's always the, the best. The old way. Yeah. The old way. But when I was um, looking into catfishing, I came across this thing. It was actually called the Catfishing Challenge on TikTok. Do you know about this? Mm-hmm. No. Right. I mean, it's a bit old now because it started in 2020, probably during the pandemic, I would say. But it's still going and it's kind of hilarious because it's not relationship catfishing, as we've just talked about, but more about not looking in real life like you do in your photos on Instagram or Snapchat. So basically, you look like a fucking goddess in these pictures, but in real life, you're just a bit of a minger, you know. So it's more, <laughs> it's more, Michelle. it's called accidental catfishing. And and actually, look, it started when an Australian girl on TikTok and her username, I love this, her username is Moldogger. <laughs> what? Moldogger. Mol- Moldogger. Dogger. Moldogger. M-O-L-D-O-G-A-A. Moldogger. And she shared a Snapchat selfie of her with like all her hundreds of thousands of followers where, I mean, Mm. she looked stunning. She looked like a fucking Kardashian Barbie. She was super glam. She had the big lips, you know, the boobs, that whole look. I suspect that even they don't look like that. I bet they don't, although they are stunning. But the caption was something like, just took this photo on Snapchat. I do not look like this. And then she just put a picture of herself up looking normal, but kind of laughing like, what a joke. Like, this is what I really look like. And it just took off. Like, people started posting, like, super glam pictures of themselves and then overlaying a picture of them where they're just normal. No makeup, not dressed up, boobs aren't out. And, yeah, this whole accidental catfish challenge started on TikTok. And I have to say... Did you do it? Did I do it? No. Did you want to do your picture all glam with the boobs up and around your neck? No, God. I actually think it's kind of cool because these girls are just taking the piss out out of the fake filters and everything that can make you look like some kind of movie star when in real life you're just a normal person. So, yeah, I I thought that was kind of a cool way of women reclaiming their own looks. And I'm sorry if I said they look like mingers. They don't. They just look like normal, nice girls, you know. And anyway, you can always go on. And I mean, I just thought it was nice that people just were natural about their looks and kind of poking fun at how insane the filters are. So you can have a look at this on TikTok. It's Catfish Challenge or you can put Catfish Queen or Extreme Makeover, whatever. It all comes up. And then when I was doing this cat 
Catfish Research, some duck duck going, I found what I thought was going to be the ultimate eavesdropping catfish. So again, Neve and Max, they got this letter from a girl who said, I think someone is using my family to catfish me. So it wasn't a relationship catfish. It was yeah. a weird family catfish. Family watch that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've all got those. <laughs> so her name's Kayla. She's 18 years old. She's from Shepherdsville, Kentucky, because it's always in America. When she was 16 years old, a woman called Courtney, seems like they're all called Courtney as well, got in touch with her. Bloody Courtney. Bloody Courtney's. Got in touch via Facebook uh, to tell her that her dad, who she hadn't seen since she was a kid, wanted to reconnect. So Kayla struck up a conversation with this woman and over two years, Kayla and Courtney became really close but had never met. Courtney was giving her all of these messages from her dad and in in her letter to Nev, she says she hasn't seen her dad in 14 years because her dad is dead. Oh. Yes. So this woman, Courtney, says she's been channeling the spirit of Kayla's dead dad, Frank Harbin Jr. And has been giving Kayla messages from her dad for two years. But the thing is, Kayla's sort of getting sus about it because whenever she tries to meet up with this woman, Courtney, Courtney's always got an excuse, doesn't want to meet up, but still keeps giving all of this information to Kayla. And so Neve and Max are like, all right, are you also sending her money? And she's like, no, 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 I'm not. You know, in fact, it's the other way around. You know, when when she had a baby, this woman, Courtney, sent gifts. And, you know, so so it's kind of weird. It was like, what is the motivation here of this woman, Courtney? Is she really a clairvoyant and just wants to give messages from the dead dad? Or is there something else? But, of course, there's always a backstory and Kayla's is pretty fucked up so god basically I did some digging and the backstory does check out so in 1999 her dad who had some mental health issues and was basically bipolar schizophrenic he had some kind of mental breakdown and he killed Kayla's mum oh my god yeah but worse than that her mother was pregnant and he stabbed Ooh. Kayla's mother 20 times, killing, oh, stabbing the unborn baby and the mother to death. Then fuck. he went to prison, had a breakdown, killed himself. Right. So this poor girl Kayla has had a fucked up time, right? And then she gets this, this Facebook message from this woman, Courtney, out of the blue saying, I've got messages from your dad. So... She was she was like two or three when her mum was stabbed to death. So she doesn't remember her mum, but she does remember her dad from when he was in prison. And she was raised by a grandmother. This clairvoyant just sort of said, Listen, I've got messages from you. Your dad your dad says he can't believe that you've forgiven him and because she was saying, I did, I did forgive my dad because he was obviously ill and you can't blame someone who's yeah. ill. And, you know, I just I just wish I had my mum and my dad back, but I don't. But I forgive my dad. No hard feelings kind of thing. And this woman's like, well, you know, he's he can't believe that you've forgiven him and he's so grateful. And she started giving a bit of information about the dad and it all checked out. Right. Yeah. So is it legit? But then when she wouldn't meet up, that's when she got Neve and Max involved. Right. She's like, is she legit? So they met up with Kayla and she's got this aunt Shannon who's actually the dead dad's sister and Uh who's like listen I think this woman's a sham there are things about my brother and his and Kayla's mom that she doesn't know Kayla doesn't know at all and you know I I just think if this woman really is real she'll know what these things are things that only the family knows they start investigating they find Courtney's Facebook and in their opinion it checks out She's got wow. people, she, the the Facebook profile had been up for 10 plus years, loads of people commenting, um, there's pictures of her aging, you know, just like 10 years, mm. like she looks different and her family and whatever. So they just went to the latest post and contacted a friend who had just written a comment. Hi, you know, when Ax and me from Catfish, uh, we just want to know about Courtney. Is there a reason why they didn't go straight to Courtney? Well, they wanted to check out whether or not 
these people are real who are commenting. Oh, okay. They always right. do it. They that always was their tactic. They always right. they never go direct. They always go to a, a okay. friend first. Turns out Got it. the person they'd contacted was the next door neighbor and she's like, Listen, yeah, I live next door to her and Courtney's the real deal. She's a psychic. And they said, Oh, have you ever heard about of a girl called Kayla? And she's like, Yeah, Frank. Frank's her dad. Frank's actually been in my house. Frank is a spirit that comes with Courtney to the house. And then she said this thing. She said when Frank had been in the house, she felt someone blow on her cheek. And do you know what I thought of? Hazel. Hazel. Hazel the psychic real estate agent. That's what happens to her. I know. So I got a little shiver and I was like, oh, my God, we've heard this before. This happened to Hazel. So, and if anyone doesn't know what we're talking about, go to season two, episode 40, because you can hear all about what happened to Hazel when she was channeling a little Italian man in a a house she was trying to sell. Anyway, they finally get in touch with Courtney. They're like, hi, it's Max and, and Neve from Catfish. And she's really fucking hurt. She's like, I'm really upset that Kayla thinks I'm not real to the point where she needs to get a TV show involved. And you know what? That's a really fucking normal response, right? Yes. Yeah. So they're like, listen, she wants to meet you. Will you meet? And she said, yeah, of course I will. Okay, I'll do it. So they get the TV crew. They all go down to Florida or wherever she lives. And yeah. They meet up and she's just like, oh, my God, you know, of course I'm real. I'm sorry if I upset you. And, you know, it. Mm-hmm. and even Max are looking going, this woman's not a fucking fake. And so anyway, they start talking and Kayla's like, you know, I just can't believe that this is real. You know, there are some dark secrets in the family that only the family know. And boom, mm-hmm. Courtney's like, do you mean the fact that your mum was a stripper? And she's like, yeah. And she said, or are you talking about the, that Frank was abused and was locked in the basement? Oh, oh my God. Yeah. So this woman knows stuff that is deep, deep shit, right? So at this point, they stopped filming because Kayla's like getting really overwhelmed. And at this point, the aunt wasn't there. So they went back and Kayla said to the aunt, listen, she mentioned the abuse. And, and the aunt was like, oh, my God, no one knows about that except me and frank because our parents did it to both of us so it was just really awful and then they agreed to meet the next day and courtney invites them to her home which if you're if you're if you've got something to hide you don't bring people into your home but she let the crew everyone in and shannon the sister goes with her and this time kayla said oh did you speak to my dad last night and she said yeah, I did. And I said that you were both here, that his sister was here as well. And he turned around and said something like, he's always felt that his sister thought he was trash and that she never liked him and that she had issues with him and that you're a bossy bitch. And the sister's <laughs> there. And then she turns around and she's like, I'm sorry, these are not my words. These are Frank's. And she said, does that ha- resonate with you? And she's like, that's exactly what he would have said to me. <laughs> and so it just gets kind of kind of How crazy. Interesting. That's not what you sign up for when you watch an episode of Catfish. Not is it? at all. Not speaking with the dead. And then Courtney says, listen, he knows you're mad at him, but he's more mad at his foster mum. He's angry at her. And Shannon's like, which foster mum? Because apparently they'd all been in and out of foster homes. Yeah. Courtney turns and says, the foster mum that he slept with. Oh, and then they're like, oh my God, this is stuff that was deep family secrets that no one ever knew about. And then they're all like, this woman is like the real fucking deal. She's on the money. Yeah. So it's funny. I was going to say it's like a happy ending, but really it's not such a happy ending because what a tragic life that family had. Just so awful. And then... Aunt Shannon, the auntie, says, listen, actually, that foster mum got in touch with me a few years ago and was really freaked out because she said, I think Frank is haunting me because I smell his cigarettes and I smell his cologne. And Courtney's like, yeah, he hates her and he's haunting her. And then Kayla. Oh, my God. And then Kayla's like, is he here in the room with us? And Courtney says, yeah, but he doesn't want to show himself. He's just observing. Do you really want a murderer? (laughs) 
that has already died bipolar murderer in the room with you and you can't get rid of him no and look Kayla starts talking to him just saying you know I love you dad whatever and the upshot is everyone walks out of Courtney's house believing she can talk to the dead so it was kind of this crazy episode (laughs) but of course I love that I didn't leave it there I did some more investor googling duck duck going and look there are threads all over reddit saying that episode's a total scam it was set up and aunt Shannon had been to a psychic and told information to some psychic who was friends with a psychic that Courtney knew and blah 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 but do you know what I, I don't know what to believe, but all I know is that it made really great television. And yeah, yeah if anyone's interested, God, what was it? Season five, episode 10 or something. So yeah. Okay. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Thanks, Michelle. That was quite uplifting, like I said, but unusually <laughs> so with all that absolute tragedy I know. in the backstory. But yeah. Thanks for your amazing story. I loved Sweet Bobby. Well, go and listen to I it. Will. I mean, there is so much more to Sweet Bobby than what I said. And I think I got quite a lot of things maybe not quite accurate. So maybe go back and listen to it yourself. It's stunning how it's been told yeah. as well. I mean, they, you know straight away that she has been the victim of a catfishing scam. Yeah. You don't know who it is until see episode three. So you do find out quite quickly oh. who it is. And then it's just more about unraveling the story. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. But one thing that I would like to know, and unfortunately we don't, is why? Why, Simran, did you do it? Why? Simran, if you're listening, get in touch. Our eavesdroppers want to know. She's not going to get in touch with us. She didn't do. She didn't get in touch with tortoise media. Uh, we may end up with uh, like a cease and desist order because she, she's, you know, she's pretty savvy when it comes to the lawyers. She's lawyered up. Well, we're not saying anything more than it's a fact. She, she did it. She's admitted to it. We're just asking why. We're not going to get any answers. Yeah. So, you know, no. keep those lawsuits at home, people. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Well, it was lovely to see you again, oh. Michelle. And I guess we will have to reconvene next week. Yes. And in the meantime, whatever you do. <laughs> wherever you are. Whatever you're wearing. <laughs> just, just keep, keep eavesdropping. 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 Eavesdropping.